Well, as a, as a church family here at Calvary Hot Sulphur, we have been um, focusing over the past um, few weeks on the incarnation of Christ, the truth of Jesus leaving the heavens and coming and dwelling as a man, um, becoming the, the perfect sacrifice in order to go to the cross and be the atonement for our sins. And so as I prayed about what to share tonight, I kept coming back to the most important thing, which is Jesus. So on Christmas Eve here in Hot Sulphur Springs, I want to share with you 20 characteristics. And I said 20, but I'm going to go quick, I promise. 20 characteristics of Jesus from Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1, starting in verse 9. I, John, your brother and partner in tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergam, to Thyatira, Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs on his head were white like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like a a burnished bronze refined in a furnace. And his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. And his face was like the sun shining in full strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. I have the keys of death and Hades. Write, therefore, the things that you have seen, those that are and those that are to take place after this. As for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands and the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Father God, we give this time to you. We praise you for the word of God. We praise you for the gift of the full revelation of Jesus Lord, on a night that we come to celebrate the birth of our King, we also look with anticipation of the day that the sky spits open, Lord, and you come and return for your church. So, Father, Lord, I ask that um, your word would be honored tonight and that lives would be transformed through through the ministry of your spirit. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. As you think about this Jesus, this Jesus in the manger, 
this Jesus that we celebrate, the anticipation. I know the kids are super excited about going to bed tonight and waking up tomorrow. It's Christmas morning. The incarnation, the truth of the God of all creation, leaving the heavens and coming to earth. This Jesus in which we see, I'm going to give you 20 characteristics and two takeaways from the beautiful truth from John in Revelation 1. And the first is this, church. Jesus is fully human. He is like the Son of Man, is what verse 13 said. So characteristic number one is that Jesus is fully human. Imagine John's perspective here. He had spent three years with Jesus on earth, every day walking together with him, talking with him, eating together. After three years, he had seen Jesus brutally slaughtered on a cross. Then three days later, he had risen from the grave. He ascended into heaven, and that's the last glimpse John had of his beloved dear friend Jesus. So now he turns and it's like Christmas time. When maybe you see your family members that you haven't seen in a long time, maybe they look a little different. So we must remember during this season that Jesus was fully human. We must also remember that Jesus was fully God. John turns and sees Jesus again. He's fully man and he's fully God. Throughout this picture, we see links between Jesus and God the Father. Earlier in Revelation 1, God had spoken and said, I am the Alpha and I am the Omega. But now Jesus speaks and says, I am the first and I am the last. Jesus is God. There are so many allusions in this passage and all over the book of Revelation that point us to the Old Testament. I wish we had time to look at all of them, but if you want, you might write these down. In Daniel 7, describes God as the Ancient of Days, whose clothing is white as snow, whose hair is like pure wool. That's the description of God in the book of Daniel. Here is the description of Jesus. John is describing Jesus in terms in the Bible that are only used for God. Jesus is fully man and fully God. The next thing you must understand about the characteristics of Jesus is Jesus is the fulfillment of centuries of prophecy. So now we see that this is who Jesus is. Just as he's been prophesied for centuries before, realize that these images are not just John's answer to a question, what kind of fashion style or what does Jesus look like? What does he wear? That's not what John is answering here. These are images that would have been familiar to John's readers. These are images that would have triggered in their minds the words of the prophets in which they studied. Images that would have invoked in their heart awe and wonder at the vision of the one the Bible was speaking at for centuries past. These the, there are 300 specific references to the coming of Jesus, written over a thousand years, prophesying where he would be born, as well as the circumstances that would surround his birth, his life, 
and his death. There is no denying that Jesus was the fulfillment of centuries of prophecy. The next thing we must understand is that Jesus is the final and the ultimate sacrifice for sin. This leads to the next characteristic. He is the fulfillment of prophecy and the final sacrifice for sin. Clothed with a long robe and a golden sash around his chest. Six of the seven times a long robe like this mentioned in the Old Testament, it refers to the clothing of a high priest who would enter into the most holy place and offer sacrifice for sins of God's people. Jesus is pictured here as the one who entered into the presence of God, the Father, and has offered a full and final, once and for all, sacrifice for the sins of God's people. Amen. We have all sinned against God. We are all separated from God. And if we die in our sin, separated from God, we will be separated from God forever. But Jesus came to offer his life as a sacrifice for our sin. That is why he died on the cross. That is what he was doing. He had no sin to die for, but he chose to die for our sin. For your sin and my sin. So that when we trust and follow Jesus, the ultimate sacrifice covers over all sin. Jesus is the final and the ultimate sacrifice for sin. All sin against God can be completely covered by the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. The next characteristics we must see about Jesus is that he is infinitely old. Jesus' hair is white, like white wool, like snow. This is a deliberate biblical picture of age. As I mentioned a moment ago, this is a description Daniel gives of God as the ancient of days. Now it is applied to Jesus because Jesus has existed forever. He did not begin. He has always been. He is infinitely old. The next thing we must understand is that Jesus is infinitely wise. In ancient culture, white hair was a symptom a symbol of accumulated wisdom through the years of experience. The experience and wisdom of Jesus knows no end. Jesus sees all things. His eyes are like a flame of fire. Nothing escapes his, his gaze. He sees it all. He sees through it all. Jesus sees through all the pretense. He searches every heart he sees the impurity of our hearts. He sees the stains in our hearts. Jesus sees everything we would like to hide. Nothing in your life or in my life escapes the penetrating gaze of Jesus. Jesus knows all things. This means, this means simply that. He knows all things. The image of Jesus Eyes being like fire appear to the letter at Thyatira in Revelation 2 where it says, I know everything about you. Jesus knows everything, including everything about you, better than you know about you. Jesus' purity has no error. Jesus' feet are like burnished bronze, bronze metal that has been purified in a furnace so that it might glow in purity. Jesus is absolutely pure. 
Jesus knows no equal. Jesus' purity has no error, and his power knows no equal. Burnished bronze is also a picture of glory and might and strength. Jesus' voice resounds with authority. First, his voice was like a trumpet, but now it's like the roar of many waters. What imagery is that? And from his mouth comes a sharp two-edged sword. Jesus declares eternal salvation. The first side of the double-edged sword is this. Jesus declares eternal salvation to all who trust in him. To all who trust in him, Jesus declares you are saved from the penalty of your sin. Jesus decrees a final judgment. At the same time, Jesus decrees final judgment for all who turn from him. Later in the book of Revelation 19, 15 through 16, we see Jesus at the final judgment. The Bible says, From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of fury and the wrath of God against the Almighty. Jesus is the judge whose declaration finally and forever decides your fate and mine. Jesus' face radiates the light. Jesus' voice resounds with authority, and his face radiates the light, like sun shining full strength. It is a picture of radiating light. We're told not to look into the light of the sun. Here, because it causes John to fall on his face as, the, as though dead. Jesus had the first word in creation. Imagine this, Jesus lays his right hand on John and says these words, Fear not, I am the first. Jesus said the first word in creation. Colossians 1 verses 16 and 17 states, For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Jesus will have the last word in creation. Jesus had the first word in creation, and he will also have the last word in creation. Jesus will fully and finally usher in the new creation. Jesus is force behind all human history. He alone is able to bring the divine purposes to pass because he has already conquered them. Jesus was dead for a time. Jesus said, I died. For, for most, that's like a period at the end of a story. But for Jesus, it is only the beginning. Jesus is alive for all time. He says, I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Jesus was dead for a time, but now, brothers and sisters, Jesus is alive for all time. He is the living one who will never, ever die again. Side note here, a bit of a soapbox. Did you know that one of the best-selling, supposedly Christian books of the past 10 to 20 years was titled, Heaven is for Real? It is a fanciful account 
of heaven told by a four-year-old boy. It talked about he got, how he got a halo and he got wings, but he didn't like them because they were too small. He claims he sat on Jesus' lap while angels sang to him. He even says that he met the Holy Spirit. And he described him as kind of blue. Over seven million copies were sold of that book. It's not to be confused with another book entitled The Boy Who Came Back from Heaven. This was another bestseller by a man named Kevin Malarkey. I get that joke. Whose son claimed to see Satan many times. He described him as having funny-looking mouth and a few moldy teeth, no noticeable ears, two bony arms, and two bony legs. These books are not to be confused with the others in the bookstore, My Journey to Heaven, What I Saw and How It Changed My Life, or Flight to Heaven, or To Heaven and Back, or The True Story, or 90 Minutes in Heaven, or Nine Days in Heaven, or 23 Minutes in Hell. That's a different twist. But make no mistake, there is money to be made in peddling fiction about the afterlife as nonfiction in the world of Christianity today. But we must be clear. These books are written by sinful people just like you and me who will die, who will also come to death one day. Why listen to them when we have words of the king who has conquered death for all time. Let me free you. And hopefully these are not stocking stuffers that you've purchased for anyone at Christmas. If so, take them out and return them. The next is that Jesus' death is controlled by Jesus. Jesus was dead for a time, but now he is alive for all time, which means death is controlled by Jesus. He has the keys to death and Hades. A key is a symbol of authority in Jewish thought. Jesus says, I have authority over death. I speak and death listens. I speak and death obeys. Because Jesus has authority over death, he has the ability to turn it into gain for you and me. And I know that that hits so hard at this time of the year. As for some of you are celebrating Without, with the loss of a loved one for the first time. The next is that no one or nothing compares to Jesus. This all leads us to my last point and characteristic. No one or nothing compares to Jesus. No one or nothing in all of the history of the world compares to Jesus. Brothers and sisters, there is no one like Jesus fully human and fully God, the fulfillment of centuries of prophecy, the final and ultimate sacrifice for sin, infinitely old, infinitely wise, who sees all things and knows all things, whose purity has no error, whose power knows no equal, whose voice resounds with authority, declaring eternal salvation and final judgment, whose face radiates with light, the one with the first and last word in creation who was dead for a time and is alive for all time, and who rules over death itself, there is no one like him. There is no one like Jesus. These 20 characteristics lead us to two massive takeaways for every one of us in this room. From the youngest to the oldest on Christmas Eve, 
two takeaways and two ways to respond. Because every one of us who's listening and seeing this picture right now has a choice on how we're going to respond. The first is that we fall down in worship before Jesus. I urge you not to yawn in the face of Revelation 1 or move on with the busyness of your life. I urge you to fall down to in worship. To every person within the sound of my voice, see the gulf and the grandeur and the glory that separates you from Jesus and fall on your face before him. Specifically, if you're not a follower of Jesus, I would say to you, have much fear. Here's what I mean. If you have not trusted Jesus as your Savior and Lord, you are separated from God in your sin. And the truth of it is is that you'll meet Jesus one day, either as Savior or as judge. And on that day could be a day that is either the most glorious day of your life or the most broken day. Or he may come back before we get to Christmas tonight. Not one of us is guaranteed tomorrow, so I urge you to worship him today. The next next response that I ask you is that you rise up as a witness. So fall down in worship and then rise up and witness. That's why we gather here today, because this church's heart is to see the name of Jesus proclaimed. Jesus said to John, rise up and write down what you have seen. Obviously, we're not writing a book of the Bible today, but we have much to tell. So let's tell others about who Jesus is with the hearts and minds that are captivated by his glory. May we never cease to be amazed by the magnificence of Jesus. May we never tire of gazing upon his glory. May may his glory continually captivate us. May his glory overflow into proclamation as we give our lives on mission to proclaim his gospel, to proclaim the light of Jesus in a world of darkness. Today I give you a portrait of Jesus in Revelation 1. As you reflect on the baby in the manger, I encourage you to reflect on these 20 characteristics as well. 